Hello, I'm Joe Hilliard. And I'm Aislinn Campbell. Welcome to our weekly podcast, Dinner Table Talks. It's a pretty big table this week, Aislinn, as we get into the whole big, wonderful world of charcuterie. And our wedding. And who doesn't want to plan a wedding with Joe and Aislinn? Now, if you'd like to learn more about us or a little more about the podcast, we suggest you listen to episode one. You can learn how to get in touch with us and where to find us across social media and even leave us a voicemail at dinnertabletalks.com. So pull up a chair. Dinner is served. Hello, friends, and welcome to Dinner Table Talks. I'm, of course, Aislinn Campbell, and with me, as always, is... Joe Hilliard. Here we are. I got to do some gardening today. Woohoo! And we also ate a delicious steak and baked potato. Very nice. We won't talk about that tonight. That's the story of our lives. It is Dinner Table Talks, the podcast where we talk to you about our lives, our food, our fun, our friends, our family, and... All the things we talked about at the dinner table. And we begin every single episode, Aislinn, by bringing in the gong. It's time for our weekly look back at the things we didn't know. It is... Unanswered Questions. I lied a little bit. Actually, you have to go back two weeks for this one. If you listened to the episode two weeks ago, you saw the collision of habanero peppers, my fingers, and my nether regions. If you didn't hear it, you need to go back and listen to that episode. But then we... (laughs) I just snorted. Big time. (laughs) That's a first. I'm going (laughs) to... That's a first live on the podcast. (laughs) Well, I'm going to isolate it and use it in the future. (laughs) My nose is kind of stopped up. I have a little cold. (laughs) Whatever you say, honey. You just snorted. Okay, anyway, two episodes ago, we asked our professional chef local friends, and several of them responded with how they deal with not only peppers, do they wear gloves every single time they handle them? And then also, you threw in a good one, how do they handle onions and the notion that onions make you cry? Now, you'll remember that I said when you have a hot pepper in your mouth, when you've eaten something hot in your mouth pepper-wise, you got to drink milk. Oh. You challenged me. <laughs> I looked it up and I was right. And the answer as to why milk helps a pepper, hot pepper in your mouth, let's say you eat a hot salsa. Yeah, it's, sure. It's real hot. Yeah, yeah, Okay. You don't drink a glass of water to quench that heat. You drink milk. Now, the reason why, very scientific. I don't want to get into it. It has to do with the capsaicin. You mentioned that. Uh-huh. And then casein's in mammal-based milk. <laughs> It totally works. Give that a try next time you eat salsa that's just a little bit too hot for you. But what did our professional chef's friends say about peppers and onions? Well, going back to January 2nd on our Facebook page, if you're interested at all, we do a lot of posting on there. We do. So we asked the question of our chef friends, and we did get a few answers, but then we also got a few voicemails ah, I can't as wait well, to play those. Tevin is a local gardener, mm-hmm. grower. Mm-hmm. He's also a local food professional. Um, he works in most restaurants when they're working to do some sort of farm-to-table type of thing. He does a maybe good job. A, maybe a pop-up style deal, or a lot of times if they're doing uh, anything special with farm-to-table, vegetarian, vegan, that kind of stuff. Tevin says, this really depends on the pepper. Something like a jalapeno or a serrano, I don't usually have any issues. It's the super hot peppers I end up regretting in many ways. I bet you understand regretting... That being said, I wear them just to play it safe, so he does wear some gloves. Now, as it relates to the onions, he says this is an ongoing kitchen conversation. He says that the folklore is that you chew some gum or a toothpick while cutting. 
Some people swear by it, but it's never helped him out. And then he says, putting the onion in the fridge for a while before you use it could help out. The main thing he does is when cutting always keeps the butt intact, AKA the root side. He also says that he makes sure he has a sharp knife. This is important because this helps to prevent those enzymes from getting into your eyes. So the idea ultimately is that you're trying to cut the onion as cleanly and quickly as possible so that you don't have the breakdown of these enzymes, which makes your eyes water. Our friend Harold, another local chef, left us a voicemail and let's play it now. Hey guys. Just real quick on your subject of peppers and onions. Peppers, I wash my hands really well after cutting them. I will wear gloves for anything habanero or hotter. Other than that, I don't wear gloves for those at all. I just kind of wash my hands and a couple times, dry them off really well. And also use a box grater sometimes to grate peppers into a dish to avoid having to use your hands at all, really, or a cutting board for that matter. As for onions, a sharp knife is your best tool. It will help prevent uh, so much the spraying release of the chemical that causes the irritant. A dull knife will just kind of bruise and batter an onion. In the end, you get a, you get a more, more of the chemical in the air and you get more of an irritant in your eyes. And it also helps to keep them refrigerated. I, I found that a colder the onion is, the less amount of spray you get, the less amount of irritant in the air. Hope that helps. I love it when these chefs, like multiple chefs, are giving us the same advice. Cool your onion off. Uh-huh. Use a sharp knife so you're not bruising, you're cut, you're slicing. The hotter the pepper, the more the concern. He's going at the habanero level and higher. Yeah. Also, my friend Nicole, who runs Delish Food Catering Company, of course, she says she agrees with what everything everyone else is saying. She also brings in some of her grandmother's traditions, and she says that she always makes sure to rinse the onion when it's cut in half, rinse it before she starts to cut it. Oh, cut it so, in half, then rinse off that cut yes. side. And she says that she never has tears after that. So I always like it when you bring in like those traditions that you've been taught by your grandmothers as well. Okay, let's hear one more chef's voicemail. Now, this is our friend Chris Prado, and Chris is actually coming from an interesting perspective because he's now working in the healthcare industry. He's working in a kitchen in a local senior living center. Let's hear from Chris. So my personal preference with peppers in the past has been, depending on the heat of the pepper, not to use a glove. But as of recently, how I've entered into the healthcare services, it's the utmost concern to me that I use gloves in every facet of my cooking between hand washing and gloves. There's no risk of me contaminating or sending out one of the residents something that would in any way, shape, or form stray from their dietary needs. And onions. As far as onions, sharp knife, work fast, and I try to keep mine chilled before I start to cut them. So boom, that's four chefs that have said sharp knife, chill the onions. I think I'm going to do that in the kitchen from now on. Yes, and also, if you're going after those really hot peppers like a habanero or any of those ghost peppers or those other crazy peppers with the high capsaicin, you should probably use gloves. Okay, I'm going to suggest an unanswered question for next week, and I want to talk about heat levels in different peppers. Oh, that's interesting. Let's do that. I like that. We have had a ton of fun eating food. Well, yeah. One of the things that we have gotten to do, especially over the holiday season, but just generally, it's something we enjoy doing. And that is we really like to eat charcuterie. And I think I pointed out to you as we were thinking about what to talk about this episode, that over the last few weeks, we have eaten a meat and cheese plate or a charcuterie. Some call it a charcuterie plate, like six times at four or five different places. You know what I think is funny? Over the last, even those couple of weeks, I've heard people make jokes about how they don't know how to pronounce the word charcuterie. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it? A kachuchuri? A kakarachurichi? Chuchuchuri? 
you know, like it's some kind of like elitist thing or whatever. But the funny thing about that is that back when we first, you know, started getting together or whatever, I or whatever or whatever mm-hmm. when <laughs> when we first got, got together, I um, or whatever. <laughs> The idea that the charcuterie, or what I introduced you to, another name for it was the plowman's supper, or even the mezza plate, right? It's not at all a uh, fancy anything. Or an, a new invention. Right, right. So so tell us what your understanding of antipasto, charcuterie, and then we'll talk about plowman's well, I think and we're talk- mezza. Well, and- we're talking about, ultimately, charcuterie or charcuterie, both work, is the art of preparing and assembling cured meats, that's important, cured meats, Mm -hmm. and other meat products for the charcuterie plate. Right. But many people use the term charcuterie to refer to an assortment of meats that are prepared with different accompaniments. Cheese is the most common, fruit, dried fruits, usually prepared foods, toast, different sauces. I hope that we can kind of dive deep a little bit into it. Now, you're right. At the beginning of our relationship, or whatever, we were talking about the plowman's dinner well, or plowman's a, lunch. Right. So as anyone that has a that farm-to-table concept or the farmer's plate or the seasonal harvest plate knows that way back when, when we were making the traditional harvest plate, you had foods that were preserved, like charcuterie, so cured meats. You had foods that were preserved like pickles. You had... Uh, pickled pickled anything. Pickled, yeah, pickled anything. Yeah, pickled, from, from sauerkraut to pickled okra to exactly. pick, you know, whatever. You would have the, the seasonal fruits. You often had cuts of the seasonal fruits, a seasonal nut or a seasonal seed. You might have those as well. Oftentimes you had some sort of, I said preserves, but jellies, jams, preserves, honeys, some sort of sweet things. And then, of course, also cheese was a preserved type of harvest as well. And so that was the concept. And the plowman's supper uh, was really the idea that what the farmer's wife would put together, maybe even a boiled egg or, or a pickled egg for that matter, some bacon or a piece of salami or something like that, a nice piece of cheese, some kind of pickled something, maybe a carrot, you know, whatever, and wrap it up. And put it in and a... And that's lunch. And that was lunch. And they would send the, the plowman out to do the work in the fields mm-hmm. with the lunch. You got you got several food groups there. Yeah. And it's filling. Right. Exactly. So I brought that to the table because I've always... That's just been a thing of my, my life. Has Something always easy been, to throw into like a little picnic basket. Like just pull, I mean, it's like pull stuff out. Pull, right. pull things from the refrigerator. Pull whatever you have available out from the refrigerator. And that's what we're having now, for dinner. I, I know that we stopped calling it a plowman's and started calling it a meza somewhere along the lines. I can't remember exactly how that happened. I just know that meza is a Greek word Greek, yeah. for an appetizer or what's left in the refrigerator kind of meal. Yep, and it's all basically the same concept. The small same thing. plates. Yeah, small plates. So we started doing that, and then... Uh, I don't want to cook, but look, we've got this leftover sausage. We've got a nice bunch of cheese that we've purchased. <laughs> one we've one got... piece of pizza. That was the thing you'd do. You'd be like, I have one piece of pizza. I'm going to cut it. If I, if I cut pizza. it right, <laughs> right, I can totally present it as a delicious meal. Yeah, and if you imagine like when we first got together, when the kids were, you know, fairly young... They they kind of loved the concept. Kids always kind of like to snack. At least my kids always it's did. Snack Snacking, as a meal. But I know one thing. Yeah. If we go to a restaurant and there is a cheese plate or a cheese and meat plate, and it makes sense at all in the budget or in what else we're ordering, because we, you and I do not like to overorder, we will order it. Yeah, we like you it. Lo- we like charcuterie. We you like- love cheese. 
I love cheese. Yeah, and I love charcuterie. And one of the things with me, with me being particular about meat and farm to table, is that when we would find a place that had farm to table, that had locally cured, restaurant cured meats, like one of our favorite places in San Antonio, Texas, is called Cured. Oh, I hope we talk about Cured later on. Yeah, and and that's the thing was I was bringing to the table these concepts of farm to table meals and whenever we went anywhere we went i mean everywhere we've traveled we've gotten a chance to have a charcuterie so over the last couple of weeks we ran into several charcuterie plates and that's you know something that we ran into and got to be eating so so you go back to a couple of episodes ago at your birthday episode 16 we that was the first time we've mentioned it here on the show and that was when francesco the owner was ordering antipasto plates up and down the uh, the table. Right. And what I can remember for sure was two things. I mean, there was a bunch of delicious things on that plate. But what I remember is um, manchego, because manchego is always one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Almost all the good, good dishes always have manchego. Manchego is usually a sheep cheese or a goat cheese, but the best of them are always sheep cheeses. Mm-hmm. It is a hard, salty cheese, kind of like a Parmigiano Romano. That kind of thing. And then the other thing that it all that it had on it was the olives. And I talked about that in episode 16. Right. Just a delicious marinade that he makes himself. Now, he calls it Piatto Misto. It is $19. It is a cured salami. But this is what the menu says. Oh, okay. But you're right. It had manchego on it. Mm-hmm. So he, clearly he is rotating in fresh cheeses. And this is what a good restaurant will do no matter where you live. But he's got cured salami, mozzarella, parmesan, the marinated olives, prosciutto, there's your dried, mm-hmm. um, and the salami, of course, mm-hmm. tomato, prosciutto, and bread. There's an Italian spin on it. The bread is homemade. Yeah. Yeah. Then you and I were out and about. I can't remember what the occasion was. And it was like, let's go grab a snack. I texted my son who my daughter was also at home, said, hey, do you want us to buy you lunch? And he said, yeah, 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 quickly, where are you, where are you? I said, we're at the Post here, here in town. And they joined us there for snacks, basically. Come out, have some snacks. Okay, they have a great little charcuterie plate, right? I'm looking at this going, yeah, this looks good. And we had a little interesting experience there. I don't know, cor- correct us if we're wrong on this one. We know that for $18... Their artisan meat and cheese platter, if the prices are similar to what we're used to for that level of cheeses and meats that you'd get, we're going to need more than one. But do I want to spend $36 and order two? Because we might order some other snacks. Seasonal meats, cheeses, dried fruits, olives, nuts, and honey. Not as much detail about what you're going to get. It's just artisan. Right. And so we asked the, the waitress, of course, can know. we can we get one and a half of those? And, and the waitress was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, no problem. Charge us what you need to. We don't want two. One may not be enough. Can we get one and a half? Yeah. So the waitress goes away and comes back. And this is one of those moments where we look at each other and we go, we stay, we're saving that for the podcast. Uh-huh. Like that's, we don't do that very often, although it, things do no, come up. No, we do up. it all the time. Well, we don't do it that often in all honesty, but we do know that there's a likelihood. But in this particular circumstance, it was one of those situations where you looked at me and you said, now that's some Corpus Christi shit right there. <laughs> Because she comes back and she's like, I'm sorry, the chef says we can't do that. We don't know how to take the piece of cheese 
and then add half more of that and then charge you a little bit more than half the price of the Which normal. Which actually it, makes more sense to me in like chain, chain restaurants me. where they like have oh, it's like all pre- very ordered right. and they, they can't even know, they don't even know how to charge you. But if like, it's artisan, But at a local restaurant? Yeah, I wasn't uh, Come happy. on, man. That's kind of silly. No, let's not, so, let's not say though that we didn't have a beautiful experience because we ordered Brussels sprouts instead and I'll order Brussels sprouts And their Brussels sprouts, no sprouts are very good. So um, then there's a new place that we've gotten really fond of, which is actually across the street. So if we have to choose which one we're going to, it's probably the one across the street now this place is called tannins i will say this is the first time they actually call use the word charcuterie they call it a charcuterie. they call it a charcuterie and they give you a bunch of options right so this is a place that we've found that we could go have like a happy hour type of situation you're grabbing your glass of wine and your charcuterie board which is perfect for after work but it's not quite dinner time snack yes they have two options, but the one that we choose, they call the hybrid board, and it is Spanish chorizo, which, truth be told, of all of the charcuteries I've had in town now, this is my favorite one. I in agree. all honesty. It's cured chorizo, mm, pepperoni, black forest ham, which is my least favorite. Right, I'll eat that. Brie, manchego, chipotle gouda, I love it, Texas pecans, seasoned, and some fresh apple slices. That one's fourteen ninety nine. That's nice. That's the nice. least expensive. Our favorite so far. They have an Italian board we haven't tried. Prosciutto ham, capicola, salami, asiago cheese, gorgonzola, mozzarella. We got to try that. Almonds, grapes, and crackers for a dollar more. And the other thing that we haven't tried is the BYOB build your own board where all of the meats are available. All of the cheeses are available and you can pick and go as you want to go. So then we end up in one of those odd and random nights through the holiday season at our other, like we've mentioned to you a couple episodes ago, the week that I went on that little lime adventure, scooter adventure, mm-hmm. where we had gone up to our fanciest restaurant in town and had the escargot and the tuna tartare. Well, there's another restaurant in town on the other side of town, on the not as cool side of town, mm-hmm. uh, where they have a really nice steakhouse drink delicious wine there and of course you can also get your escargot and your tuna tartare and your beautiful steaks and all of that and that's called cats 21 and we went there one night recently and we also had a charcuterie board it's like we're not ready for a meal but we want a little snack <laughs> over and over and over recently right and so same kind of thing you know some delicious artisanal cheeses although i'm sure that they cha- change those up from time to time different cured meats and some nice bread and things like that so right we and had that and that was really nice and two price all. points 16 and 26 oh so you can get like a half board uh, and a full board uh, yeah, what yeah, a nice yeah, idea yeah. so you could get like a full board and a half board if you wanted to like one and a half boards what a novel concept now if you're listening in a more (laughs) metropolitan area you're probably thinking to yourself you're calling that a charcuterie board you and i for as long as we've known each other get these types of plates everywhere we've gone and you and i have traveled extensively and have enjoyed getting this kind of thing across the country where the selection is a lot more varied and broad yeah and getting back into that farm to table concept i mean we are just getting some of the most delicious pickled whatever's seasonal anything from pickled radishes to pickled turnips to pickled okra and then all kinds of honey and preserves and all kinds of delicious things on top of delicious smoked hams and you know just all the good stuff now when you have to google some of the words on the menu this is when 
I'm not even challenging what you said earlier about charcuterie not being elitist, but that price point can go up, and you're getting to some real gourmet stuff. Well, things get made elitist. That's the thing about it. I mean, if you think about how sushi has become this really fancy thing, you go out to dinner, and when dollar. it came to America, it was like, oh, fancy sushi. Well, sushi, the original intention of sushi, and especially like the sushi bowls and things like that, that was like the scrap food that was left for the peasants, basically. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same concept. When I say that this type of food wasn't elitist, awful, O-F-F-A-L, is what we're talking about here, really. Second meat, It's yeah. taking that meat and making, it into, making something better at it. And the concept was snout to tail. And that's not an elitist concept. That is, we have to make the best out of everything we have available to us. And a lot of times, the wealthy people had the better cuts of meat, and the peasants had what was left over. And then the peasants took and altered and tweaked and made it taste delicious. And even if you go to back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the like plowman supper, and that is that the farmers used snout to tail... They used every piece of the animal because... Just, just like the Navajo Indian. I mean, all if, of it if we matters. are going to sacrifice this animal, right. we are going to do it the dignity of using every bit of it. I want to talk about cured. Oh, let's talk about cured. That's Be the one I mentioned earlier. Because when you and I are in San Antonio and the budget and the timing is right, we're going to go eat there. Well, we like to talk about places that are local to Texas because that's... Because you know, now we're stuff. getting into Riet which is a pate made of minced pork or other meats, mm -hmm. seasoned, usually combined with fat. Their thing is you can have three items or six items or nine items. And then you get to pick from a wide variety of things. So the riette that I mentioned, whipped pork butter, which is whipped lardo or lard or pork fat back cured with salt, mousse, pate, duck ham, terrine where you're getting into like uh it's pate but it pate differs from terrine and the pate is usually made from liver and terrine can be from any of the kind of you know second meats of any animal which that's the thing about because cured is a is a truly farm to table they're working to get all of their meat from san antonio well, they texas cure every and bit they're curing of meat it all inside. Yeah. if you look at today's cheese selection for cure you'll also find of course a goat dairy chev from Welder, Texas, some beautiful Indigo Ridge River from Way Creamery and some also Keystone River Way Creamery in Shirts, Texas. That's a local cheese maker in the Texas area, which is nice and fun to talk about. You know, you talking about these local cheeses, like I said, you love cheese. Queso there, is life. There is something very rewarding about finding out, learning about like local and regional items, like in this case, cheese. Yeah, I've, I've created an entire portion of my life about it. But why? And I, we don't want to get too much into it, but you can buy plenty of fantastic cheese at the grocery store. Yeah, but local cheese, local products is really important to me. There's a value in supporting my local community. There's a value in the tastes of my region. There's a value in the environmental and economic costs you know, of you know how, keeping it local. Yeah, and you know when it was made, you know how fresh it is, you know who made it, how they made it, and that makes the flavor so much better typically. Again, it, it does. And it also, it supports my local culture. And, you know, who doesn't want to say that some of the best foods in the world come from their own city or their own state? And you can't know that until you try them all. That's right.
If you're ever in San Antonio, Texas, which I think that that's one of those places that everybody in the world should go to, sure. San Antonio, Texas, go to the San Antonio Farmer's Market at the Pearl Brewery and get some whey creamery cheese and get, get go home and make yourself a plowman's supper after you've gone to the San Antonio Farmer's Market at the Pearl Brewery. So we've been charcuterie crazy lately. Yep, and we got a lot of delicious meals uh, out of that. And in the midst of that, we've had a lot of conversations as well. Seems like one thing is dominating the talks these days. You kind of uh, alluded to it last week. I did. I mentioned it at the very end. I talked about how at the end of our Christmas supper, we had taken a little tour of the farm because we were looking at the best place to have a wedding ceremony and some wedding receptions. And that is because one conversation that seems to be coming up in every single dinner table conversation that we're having right now, and that is a wedding. Here comes the bride. Should she be dressed in white this time? I'm going to leave that up to you. In fact, let's just get right into it, shall we? I mean, see, you're right. Every single time we eat, whether with the kids or friends or whatever, you and I are excited because after... What, seven, eight? It's always, it's just difficult to even know. Well, and we've been, okay, so we got engaged in Big Bend, Texas we on did. the top of a mountain. Yes, we did. Like five years ago. Yeah. Te- it started off with you and I saying, we've done marriage. Mm-hmm. It didn't go exactly the way we intended. We don't have to get married again. And you know, you think about the early days of getting together again when you've already done it once. You're like, ugh, why would I do that again? I think Beyonce says it best. If you love it, then you got to put a ring on it. And that's exactly where we're headed. And I couldn't be more happier to think that you want to spend the rest of your life with me. So that's what's happening. Yeah, that's what's happening. We're getting married. So uh, at all the dinner table conversations we've been talking about, kind of what our style would be, uh, started talking about how we wanted to do it, started reaching out to a few of our friends. Ultimately, what we've come up with in terms of kind of like the short answers for what we want to do is that we would like to do it out at the farm. It's happening there. Which is why we're doing the tour at the farm. It's going to be a hot invitation. Yep. We would like to do something at the brunch hour, a late morning wedding. I want no time limit to end it, though. Okay. You know what I'm saying? We could go as long as we want to. Sure. Okay. So, you know, my style, it's the bohemian style. Of course, you got to get a little dirty hippie in there, of course, as always. And then food is so important to us. Mm-hmm. Food is going to be a star of our wedding as much as anything else. We've is. given a lot of thought and we're not in complete agreement about the food yet. Well, there is one thing we're in complete re- agreement about. We love breakfast tacos. We love breakfast tacos. So we had the idea God, of doing... We have talked about breakfast tacos on this podcast <laughs> many, many times. So we talked about doing a breakfast taco buffet. Sponsored by Yellowbird. (laughs) Oh, wow. They're listening. Now you're calling them. By the way, they are listening. (laughs) We'll talk about that some other time. (laughs) And so we've we've come up with fun, like, ideas of things we want to do for uh, a bar, like like certain, like, little cocktail drinks we'd like to have. Of course. And a bartender we'd like to get involved. We'll reach out to him. And uh, a, a caterer. We've already got a caterer. We mentioned her tonight, actually, all on this episode and she's mentioned wanting to get involved or we've i think we need a second dish besides just breakfast tacos you and i are not in agreement about you this keep, yet you and we have saying... a whole long time before we got to figure sure. it out well it I can't mean... be just breakfast tacos there needs to be a second element charcuterie we did talk about that yeah we're doing that exactly charcuterie breakfast tacos like a mega breakfast tacos. i think the second thing that you're having is like cake 
I don't know. I'm just, I just, I'm so simple. Like I, I I'll I'm figure so simple. it out. I'll figure it out. I'm so simple. I want to, I want a really pretty cake though. We are doing a cake. Okay. And I, okay. So when I messaged my friend that is the, um, a wedding planner type person, are we getting one of those? The idea, well, I, I, I suppose we, she asked us to talk to her and schedule with her and then we can start talking about budgets and all that kind of thing. Oh, wow. That sounds like fun. <laughs> oh my. Hey, I'm excited to plan this, so don't, I am ra- too. don't shit on my parade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I told her that we were the, the bohemian style, because, okay. you know, me, bohemian style. Fresh flowers and paper flowers. So I'm looking at all of the, like, bohemian style embroidered dresses. and Okay, oh, and this was a fun thing that we brought up at one of the dinner table conversations with the kids. And I said, and that is because the girls are going to be my my ladies, we my, are in my bride. Agreement about and this detail. And you said, oh, and then they said, okay, so that means the boys are going right. to be my groomsmen. Yep. Uh, so we're going to have the whole J-Hat crew up in the at, at the wedding in the ceremony. That's uh, but exciting. then you kept saying over and over again. Yes, this is very important. You to were me. like, I want a friend to get uh, ordained, ordained so that they can officiate it. That is right. And I'm like, oh, what a terrible idea. I want a friend to be the officiant. And I was like, no, like, oh, so we're we're gonna go out. We're gonna pick somebody. We're gonna say, "Go get ordained." And then, I don't like that idea at all. I thought that was a horrible idea. I didn't but know how then, it would occur. As we were literally just like talking about it you in whatever how conversation. I was. No, in whatever conversation we were talking about it is, another friend passes by behind us, and she goes. She literally whispers. She goes, "By the way, so and so, her husband." Right is ordained and yep. we're like oh that's it that's, that's the it one. That's he's the, the guy one. that's who so, i would have picked yeah i would have <laughs> come up with him to be ordained but he already is so that's what has happened in all of the conversations and in each conversation we're telling different friends don't forget put this date on your calendar that's right put this date on your calendar it's coming and 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 would you be willing to do this are you interested in being involved in this way because, you know, that's how we do For it. For the sake of the listeners, let's just go ahead and reveal that it is quite a bit away. A long way away. So, so we have a whole we'll be ta- time. We'll weave it in and we will do our best to self-regulate so as not to bore you with the topic. Like right now we're talking at the 100,000 foot level. I feel like we're missing a thing or two. At the farm, your style, brunch, our family, bringing in friends to help do any of the things that you would normally potentially hire a stranger to do from photographer to catering. Well, and we value our friends, so don't worry. (laughs) All right. So I'm excited, love. Yes, me too. It's going to be a fun 2020. Yes, exactly. Okay. Plenty to talk about at the dinner table. So here's the thing. We, there's another thing that we talk about at many, many meals. We've talked about how we talk about it and how we've talked about it and we talk about it and we talk about how much we love it and we talk about how everyone should talk about it and we talk and talk and talk about tacos. We love tacos. And everyone in America should be eating tacos. Any style of taco. Fish taco, pork taco, breakfast taco, vegetarian tacos with beans and avocados. Eat tacos. But one night recently, we were having tacos. Now, this is the meat that back at your birthday episode, we mentioned that your best friend's husband said, bring a cooler up. Your birthday gift is going to be some meat. Gave us a bunch of venison cuts, sausage. Gave us some ground venison. I took a pound and a half of ground venison, 
and a pound of ground beef from the farmer's market, and I made two and a half pounds of ground taco meat. A huge, huge pot. Now of you basically taught meat. me. You should tell people about your taco night before I met you. Oh, the way I used to do tacos. Uh huh. The way that you vetoed and said never do tacos like that again. Uh huh. My taco night prior to meeting you. I'm ashamed to talk about, but this was a decade ago. There's a lot of people out there that did tacos that do tacos like you. When I go to the grocery store, I get a pound of ground beef. I don't know regionally what would be applicable to you listening, but it would be like old El Paso brand hard taco shells. Mm-hmm. And then a package, usually like three inches by four inches of taco seasoning, a big wad of powder in a foil packet. Mm-hmm. If you follow those ingredients, you brown your meat, you dump that powder in there, you put in a, an amount of water, to my recollection, you put your taco shells in the oven, and voila, tacos. You probably cut up some lettuce and onion and cheese, that kind of thing, but there's your taco night. Right. Tell me your taco night when we got together. Well, I think you've made it very clear in this episode, or in this uh, show, since the very beginning, that... We don't use mixes of anything. No, we do not. So (laughs) I always get so weirded out by the idea of like packages of things that are already in your, like it's a level of convenience that doesn't make sense to me. You have in your pantry, Camino, chili powder, garlic salt, onion powder, salt, pepper, you know, whatever else you might add Why would you buy that again in a foil packet with just the word taco on it? Also, not only that, but it's also now got some like preservatives in it to keep the seasoning from, yeah, yeah, to keep it from like congealing and getting hard or whatever. So like, why would you, it makes no sense to me. So my thing was like stir fry, brown the meat and throw in shake, 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 Camino, extra Camino, shake, 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 a little bit more Camino, shake in some chili powder, shake in some garlic salt, onion powder. Actually, I always like to cut up some fresh onions, fresh garlic, and then also some fresh tomatoes, maybe if I had them around, because, you know, some fresh vegetables is always a good way to go with it. Maybe some fresh peppers even. Thank you for teaching me, Jedi Master, (laughs) because now my tacos are the shit. They're the bomb. I make great tacos. You do an extra shake shake at Camino, too. Well, no, I have an <laughs> extra step that I'll talk about in just a minute, but you're absolutely right. I cut up, I raid my produce drawer, and I'm going to get a tomato, I'm going to get onion, I'm going to get jalapeno, mm-hmm. I'm going to even get bell pepper. I'm going to soften that in, you know, nice oil. Then you throw your meat on so that they continue to soften while your meat's cooking. And then those flavors are coming together. At the beginning of the meat going in, I put a little bit of all the ingredients you just talked about. But I mean, I've gotten even, even more if liberal. You're like super, garlic, I didn't mention garlic. Even if you're like a super busy mom and you don't have time to like cut up garlic and onion and whatever, you can still buy all of that stuff individually and like put it in. Sure. Shake it in. Now when I'm cutting up my tomatoes <laughs> to put them in the taco meat, I'm cutting up my tomatoes to set aside to put on top of your taco and your onion and a little bit of jalapeno for anyone in the family that wants to use it. Then you do your meat. Then you're right. You shake in additional when your meat's almost done and before the the liquid begins to reduce in the meat, that's when you're going to go, you're right. Heavy Camino, chili powder. I throw a little cardamom in there. Always paprika because it's a J-Hack house. Cardamom. Mm. Yeah, a little bit. Oregano. Really? Yep. 
and then anything that my heart desires. Because <laughs> if I didn't have garlic to put in, I always have garlic. But if I didn't, I might throw in some garlic powder. Mm-hmm. If I didn't put enough onion in at that point, it's going to be some onion powder. But here's the key ingredient that happens in our house. Aislinn, come taste this meat. <laughs> Does it taste good? Does it have enough Camino in it? And the answer is always no. <laughs> no. It, doesn't, it doesn't quite smell like your armpit yet. Shake, shake. A little more Camino. I love Camino and my taco powder. Anyways. Um, now, I'm all but shifted away from a crispy taco shell. Well, that's just because of me not eating crispy taco shells. No, but even if the kids no, are in the house, I'll do it. If you're having crispy taco shells, I love crispy taco shells. I just can't eat them. But they can't be that shitty, hard, fake, mass-produced, disgusting, cardboardy hard. We've found some really good ones. Found you know a what good brand one. they are? I, I do. It's Mitiera. Mitiera, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll post that on our Facebook page. But chances are, if you don't live in Texas, you you're not probably be able don't to find be able them. to find them. Yeah. But it's that wafer, it's that wafer-thin taco shell do they eat crispy hard tacos in other places i know they okay, eat well, like they tortillas you go if they don't them. that's where i go i do the tortillas we're sold and haven't talked about them in a while on purpose we'll, we'll talk we'll mention the brand tonight siete cashew flour or cassava cashew flour. flour or cassava flour there's a different the brand has different grain-free tortillas yeah they eat cook taste just like a normal tortilla i don't like to buy those store-bought tortillas that are white and pasty they have yeah. to be undercooked yeah or they have to be maybe your golly if you don't live in south texas you probably don't have it the flour tortilla the way that those are prepared are the backbone of the taco i could have the best taco meat in the world of my flour tortilla is a tortilla and nobody likes it, it it's just it's just it's just no good yeah so you gotta be real careful with that tortilla. I, well i think well, I don't know. I I just remember introducing maybe maybe I didn't introduce to you, but I feel like I did. The idea of like you can actually buy flour tortillas that are raw, and cook them. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, and they aren't completely raw, but they're close enough to being raw to like the the undercooked flour. Yeah, and that's tortilla, me. That's you the, and that's me using my the best Christmas skillet. gift you ever gave me. Yeah, it's a big rectangular cast iron. It goes over two burners. Mm-hmm. It's flat on one side. It's got grill marks on the other. We use it tonight for those steaks because I wanted to cook them indoors. Yeah. And like I said, I, I made like two and a half to three pounds of taco meat. Yes. And then you also chop up some beautiful lettuce, some of beautiful course. tomatoes. You always make sure we've got the shredded cheese available. Uh, of course. We use... All of our yellow bird Greek, sauces. All, oh, and the homemade, homemade habanero. habanero yep. sauce from last episode. We also use Greek yogurt. One little as an, as cup a, of Greek yogurt, which is like... Instead of sour cream. Instead of sour cream, you use Greek Organic yogurt. Greek yogurt. You like to cut up an avocado often. Of course. I like an avocado <laughs> in there wouldn't. too. Right, right. And I had made up so much of these tacos, two and a half, three pounds, that after we ate them just one time, there was a ton left over. We had an occasion to invite your parents over for dinner for leftover taco night. And my parents, if they're anywhere near us, and they actually... They don't live in the same town as us. They live close enough for us to visit regularly, but they don't live in the same town. But if they're anywhere near or any chance that they might be able to come, they want to have dinner with us. Sure. They want to be with us. Um, and, and of course, so, that only can mean some fantastic dinner table talks. Of course. Yeah. So we had the delicious tacos, and that's when a very, very funny, hilarious conversation came up. In fact... They were so excited to tell us this dinner table story. My dad and my dad was like, we've got a story, a dinner table story. <laughs> we hope it makes the cut. It made it. It made it. it. It's here it and is. It did because we ended up telling the story at the dinner table several different dinner table stories. It's a good one. It's short and sweet. Yes. So 
my little nephew Jack turned four in November, and he is a character. Of course, they took him to Disney World this year, so he had the Disney World adventure, and it's just been Christmas time, and he's he's an only child, and he's the youngest, so there aren't any other littles around our household, around our kids. So he is like the center of attention everywhere he goes, really. They were talking about Santa Claus and all of those types of things, and then his mom asks us, well, Jack, tell me who's Jesus. Do you know who Jesus is? And Jack replies, well, Jesus, that's what you say when you're almost in a car wreck. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody it's was funny every time everyone was excited to tell that story Jack, oh my god we gotta tell you this story because he's not do lying do you know what jesus is right oh oh jesus that's what you say when you almost get in a car wreck <laughs> i love that story so much i told it at work <laughs> It'll get, that, that's your next dinner table story uh, joke that you can tell when you're at the dinner table. That it, well, know. whenever you're telling your friends about your favorite podcast, because we really could use you to tell your friends about the podcast. That's true. Okay, so it's time for that portion of the episode where we get to jump back into the table topics conversations. Table topics! <laughs> but tonight is a special night because... Right before he heads back to college, we drug our Hunter in. Hunter, say hi to everyone. Hello. I'm here. Hunter is my son, and when he learned that Cortland had been on the episode a couple of episodes ago, he said, hey, I want to be on the show, and none of that just happened. It's like, Hunter, please come on the show before you go back to school, because we won't see you again for several months. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to try to talk more than he did, but... <laughs> You gonna you gonna win? Yeah, I'm gonna beat him. <laughs> All right, so I have the table topic conversation in my hand. I think this will be an interesting one. Let's see if we can make it interesting. Who do you want to answer first? I'm gonna go straight to Hunter. Okay. I'm still gonna go straight to Hunter. Okay. I'm gonna ask the question, and then I'm gonna let you answer, and then I'm gonna let your dad answer, and then I'll follow up in the rear. Okay. We have not seen this question. This is unrehearsed. Go ahead. Okay. You ready? What's the best junk food ever created? Oh, wow. Do we need to define our terms before we get started? Should I just like fire them off? Because there's a lot of them. No, just the best. Number one. How about your top three? I go to a chip first, probably, for junk food. Because like chips are really good. Okay. So probably Cheeto Puffs. The not like Cheeto Balls, but Cheeto Puffs. Like the, the ones that are like long and thick. Those are so good. I'll eat a whole bag of those. Yeah, that's mine. Cheetah Puffs, and they're so bad for you, but that's mine. Did you have another category besides chip? Then, because, like, I don't consider, like, like, like an actual dessert to be a junk food. Like, a cake, I know it's bad for you, but that's, like, not, that's not, like, junk food, right? Or is it? I mean, it is, but... No, no. I think if you make a homemade cake, that's not junk food. Okay, we're talking about... I think junk food is, like, the things you can go in the store and buy it off the, the shelf. Okay. Ba bags and boxes of... Packaged. Junked, packaged junk food. Okay. We might have to go two rounds on this. You sticking with Cheetos? Yeah, for sure. Is Cheeto, it going no, to me? not Cheetos. Cheeto Puffs. I don't understand the differentiation. Help me. Help me. Because you're the Cheeto man. You do not understand the difference between Cheetos and Cheeto Puffs? Okay, Cheetos, a bag of Cheetos, they're thinner... And crisper, and the Cheeto Puffs are puffed. Cheeto Puffs are puffed, and they're like more air, and they leave like the filament on your mouth more. Okay. <laughs> That's the best part. Okay. 
golly, I would like to give this a lot more thought. I'm going to go dessert category as the best junk food ever made. A Little Debbie Oatmeal Cream Pie. Oh my God, that's disgusting. That's what makes it junk food. Oh God, no. A Little Debbie. No, pick something that tastes good. First of all, you can't tell me what to do. God, no. I didn't argue with Cheeto Puffs. A Little Debbie brand oatmeal cream pie. That's disgusting. It comes in a cellophane clear uh, wrapper. Uh, you open it up. Uh, it's a sandwich of oatmeal mush cookie with white you know, Twinkie cream in in the middle. <coughs> I'm not going to say a Twinkie, although a Twinkie would qualify as junk food, certainly. But Twinkies are disgusting of the mostest. Okay, but we're, th- this is not your turn to shine. This is my time to shine. And I think that a Little Debbie oatmeal cream pie, I'm at the junk food store where every junk food is available. It's not going to be a chip or a salty. No, I'm right. It's oatmeal cream pie. It's Little Debbie. No. Okay, well, tell me how I'm wrong. Master of junk food who never eats any. Uh, candy bars listen. count, right? Can't all candy bars count in this? Of course. Okay, listen. I've got three things A that Reese's I want to discuss. Reese's peanut butter cup. Wait, hold on. Uh-huh. Oh, shoot. Oatmeal cream, Oatmeal cream pie no, I'm, versus... I'm, I'm still correct. The best okay. junk food ever. That's it. I can't choose the best of anything. You know me well enough to know. Well, I, I go. I go play. in threes. I'm going to give up cheesy poofs. Is that what he said? Cheese balls. The can. Do you remember the can of cheese, yeah, Cheeto the, cheese balls? The tub. Right. Oh, the giant tub from Sam's. Right. That's not even Cheeto brand. That's oh just... Oh, my God. He's <sighs> right. Like, that. that's the one. Because, like, even if you're, like, cheating, cheating... Like, I can't cheat right now because of the grain-free thing, but if but I was cheating, I'm going on a, a vacation, and I need to cheat, 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 I cheat. say, honey, I'm going to go buy junk food. I'll buy you anything that you want to. What are you going to tell me to buy? Cheesy Puffs is always going to be the answer. And that's going to be the generic brand cheese balls in the big Sam's tub? Yes. No, it doesn't have to be that. No, no, no. The best one is the can. Like the can with the Cheeto guy on the outside of it. Like it was a blue can. It was a blue can. I don't even think they even make those anymore. It was like a can of cheese balls. Okay. That was the best. But there's two other things that come to mind very clearly. There's a Chex Mex variety that's like a chocolate buddies thing. It's like Chex Mex mixture, but With... like chocolate and like powdered sugar. Uh-huh. Oh my God, that's so good. That's good too? Yes. And then I have fallen in love with, but I haven't eaten it in several weeks, this M&M almond, mini M&M almond chocolate candy bar. It's so good. Okay, well, you lead us to an interesting second point, which I'd like to try to make, because you were the first one to mention a candy or a candy bar. Hunter, let's go around one more time. Candy bar junk food. Candy junk food. Candy. It's definitely no competition. The peanut M&Ms in the yellow bag. Definitely. No competition. No competition. For me, it's a Reese's peanut butter cup, period. It used to be Reese's for me, but then I had a... And then I, I I went to Reese's Pieces for a while, and I think that you that went, completely killed Reese's for me forever. You went there? Yeah. Reese's Pieces are I don't know they do something to me, and now I I can't I can't even eat a Reese's anymore. Okay, so now and then you graduated to the hard peanut. I've and always stuff. been on the hard peanut M and M's, and anytime I want any sort of chocolate candy, I'll always get those. That's good to know. And for me, it's Reese's peanut butter cups. You sticking with the one you said? I I'm wondering if Hunter has had this thing I'm talking about. If he likes the peanut M and M's which has always been one of my absolute favorites. This thing I found, I'm telling you, it's a chocolate candy bar with like the tiny M&Ms in it. 
And you can get it with the peanuts in it, like crunchy little crunches of peanuts in it. I get it with the almonds in it, though. Okay. It is ridiculously addicting. Okay. I had to stop. I had a problem. Oreos. I like gummy worms. I like peanut butter M&M's. I, I eat those at the movies. Twinkies. I haven't had a Twinkie in like three oh, years. Oh, God. I, I can't. Good old-fashioned blue label Chex Mix. I love potato chips, Lay's potato chips. Oh, sour gummy worms. Hey, you said at the movies, if I'm at the movies and I'm getting candy, it's going to be either red, good old-fashioned red Twizzlers or milk duds. Sunflower seeds? Oh, that's not junk food. Yes, it is, because I get all kinds oh, of weird flavors. Oh, you get flavors. the Mexican flavor coating on top. Sunflower seeds, potato chips, and then like M&M things with peanut butter. Peanut butter and M&M. Hey, thanks so much for pulling up a chair and joining us for Dinner Table Talks. You can always learn more and help us spread the word all across social media. Check out at our Dinner Table Talks on Facebook and Instagram. And for you Twitter users, at dinner underscore talks. Visit our website at dinnertabletalks.com or shoot us an email at talk at dinnertabletalks.com. We look forward to hearing from you.